This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better. Because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to My Curl Speak with Key listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash speak. That's BetterHelp.com slash speak. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Your thoughts are filled with positivity and your life is plentiful with prosperity. You are resilient and can get through anything. You are a positive person and attract positive people. I embrace new love and release old patterns. I am no longer needy or codependent. I am comfortable alone. I fulfill my own needs so that I can properly love. I am safe. I am whole and complete. I am healthy. I am abundant. I am happy. I am protected. I am guided. I am loved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Curl Speak with Key. Of course, I'm Key, and happy Wednesday. If you're listening, make sure you screenshot and tell me where you're listening from. I love hearing from you. Also, if you haven't rated and reviewed the show on Apple and Spotify, I would appreciate it if you do. That helps attract more listeners and move us up in the algorithm with other shows that are focused around mental health and self-improvement. So this show I recorded a few months ago with a very special guest, but I held on to it because the level of transparency I displayed, I was afraid of being judged for it. But then I realized that wasn't fair to y'all, especially with the fact that Lately, I've been sharing a lot more of myself than usual. So with that being said, I feel like this particular episode is shed more light on my healing journey. And also this guest, not only was she a special guest, but she's rated in my top five podcasts that I listen to. And she's not number five and she's not number four. I ain't gonna tell y'all where she at, but she high up there. So let's discuss love addiction with Sheena Tubbs. guys and again happy Wednesday for the first time joining me on my curl speed with key and hopefully not the last time I am being joined by Sheena Lachey from Black Girls Heal. Hey girl hey they out they waiting they waiting outside a door you hear it <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm totally fangirling like I'm so glad you can't see me right now because I'm fangirling because I'm such a huge fan of your show. Like I listen to you every week. And to be honest, I'm one of the few people, some people, when you hear a podcast, when you get new to a podcast, you start wherever they are. But I'm actually in 2019 at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, like I, I, I'm listening to you week to week, your new shows. And then I went back and I'm still listening to the old ones because I'm such a a big fan. So thank you so much for joining me today. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for listening. That means a lot. 
No problem. So if you see that your number one, like your first episode, you were like, why it got so many streams? It's me. <laughs> it's me. And then I, I was sending it to everybody else. Like, it is me. So if you see like episode five coming up, it is definitely me. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start the show off with some icebreakers. Okay. Now, my first icebreaker is always the exact same thing. Okay. Tupac or Biggie? Uh, Tupac. Okay. Now, if you could say one book changed your life, what book would it be? Oh, oh, ah, ah. I am um, going to say the book Facing Love Addiction, not because it's the best book I ever read, but it was one of the first books that I read about love addiction that let me know mm-hmm. that it was a thing. Okay. Now, I'm going to add that to definitely adding that to my list of books that I need to read Mm -hmm. because we're going to get into it, but I actually just found out I am love addicted. Like I, I just found that out maybe like three or four months ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's why I've been doing my homework and listening and all that because it was a thing where, no, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. So (laughs) first, Sheena, no one can, introduce you the way that you can introduce yourself. So can you tell the listeners who you are? Yeah. So my name is Sheena Lachey. I am a love addiction coach and trauma expert based in Houston, Texas. I'm the founder of Black Girls Heal. And before I was a full-time coach, I was a therapist. I was a therapist for over a decade, a licensed therapist and um, trained in marriage and family therapy. And along the way in my journey, Uh, As I was helping people and helping others, I worked at a rehab center. And uh, so people who were like depressed and everything, but also with co-addictions. And in the process of people healing from drug addiction and alcohol addiction and all that stuff, we were tasked as therapists to help people with love addiction. And I remember Mm -hmm. hearing about love addiction being like, this is BS. That's not real, but whatever. It's my job. I'll help people with it. Um, And not really paying attention to it until a few, a year or so later, um, I went to therapy for some grief. And as I was talking with my therapist about things were going on, he was like, huh, have you thought about Sex Addicts Anonymous. And I'm not, I'm not a, I am not a perpetrator. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I fought with them for a long time <laughs> until I started doing more and more things in my grief and in my codependency. And then he said, what about Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous? And I was like, all right, I can check out the love addiction thing. And when I went to a meeting, I was like, oh, these are me. These are mm-hmm. my people. And everybody in the room, you know, no one had on a trench coat. Nobody looked crazy. It was just right. women um, housewives, engineers, lawyers, um, and everybody in between who were just trying to figure out this thing and using love as a drug. And so I transitioned into helping women as I did my healing work. I transitioned to helping women in my therapy practice, uh, specializing in love addiction. And then as I grew Black Girls Heal, I decided to focus full time into coaching and creating resources for everyone around the world. And I thank you so much for this because. When it comes to love addiction, a lot of people think it's just something that people say, because I thought it was too. I didn't really think it was a real thing until I started listening to your show. And I'm like, okay, there's no way she's making this up. And it was so relatable to me until I think the first time I emailed you was in like November, I believe. I shot my shot on my birthday. It was like my birthday. I was like, you know what? Because you're in my top five podcasters of all. Like, I listen to you every week. Like, you definitely in my top five. And no, you are not number five, okay? So, I I was like, I'm going to take a chance. And you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So, I... Because your show has helped me in so many ways. I can't even thank you enough for the work that you do. I I can't thank you enough for the work that you do. And like you said, when you said you found your people, I felt like I I found my people. Like I found my tribe like this. This is what I need to listen to every week. And recently, another podcaster, her name is Amber Kenny. It's the Hilt Hilt with a T podcast. Her first episode was on codependency. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Like I recently found out not only am I love addicted, but I am a, I'm codependent. Mm-hmm. And when I say 
the word codependency. A lot of people hear the word dependent and they assume that it means something that is it doesn't mean at all. A lot of people don't know what it means. And that whole superhero complex thing where I really feel like I have to save the world. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not helping save the world, my worth is just every week I say that I'm more than enough in my affirmations. And I remind women all over the world that they're enough. But mm-hmm. I wasn't being completely honest because my worth was stemming from me telling other people that they were enough. Mm-hmm. And when I say you've helped me so much. Yeah. I just I wanted to publicly tell you thank you and tell everyone else, like, if you're anything like me, where you don't feel enough if you're not helping someone. And it doesn't always a lot of people confuse codependency with just being in romantic relationships. And that's not it either, because mm-hmm. I'm codependent in my family, too. Yeah. 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 The thing with uh, codependency and love addiction is every love addict is codependent, but not every codependent is love addicted. And so codependence is when you struggle with having your own boundaries, you struggle with um, not taking on other people's emotions and making their happiness and their safety your responsibility at the sake of your own emotional, physical, mental support. And Mm -hmm. so um, to be love addicted, that is where not only do you have those codependent tendencies, but to have any kind of distance or any kind of divide or separation from this person or the fantasy of that person or um, feeling as if you're abandoned by them, it brings you into extreme distress and extreme pain to the place where when you talk to your friends or loved ones about it, they're like, girl, it's not that serious. Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it is. It absolutely (laughs) is because it's, it's attached to your trauma. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just about the person and it is about the person, but especially if you're not aware of what love addiction is, you really do feel as if you're going to die. You mm-hmm. really do have a series of panic attacks, suicide ideation, stalking, and do a whole lot of stuff that normal you wouldn't do um, right. because of what it's attached to. You, you're so right. I remember I went through a breakup. Nobody even knew I had a boyfriend at the time because I'm very, very private. So so I went through a breakup and the guy that I was de- dating, we had only been dating maybe like three or four months. Right. Mm-hmm. So when the breakup was over, I was so sad, like like I was so sad. But my friends, they did not believe me. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you don't care. I'm like, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. But y'all didn't spend a lot of time together. Y'all didn't do this and y'all didn't do that. And I'm like, I'm sitting here like the end, it's the end of the world. Like he doesn't want to be with me no more. He's not acting right. And it got to the point where because no one believed I was devastated, I just kept pretending like I wasn't devastated. Yeah. But even then in the current society, you know, even even the stuff that's supposed to empower us as women, we aren't allowed to talk to our friends when we are devastated. So if your friends didn't know that you dated this guy all this time and you were really heartbroken, their feedback would probably be like, key, like there's more men. He wasn't even worth it. You're worth <laughs> more. Get over it. And then right. you were feeling alone and ashamed that you were so heartbroken because a bad bitch doesn't care. Right. 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 That's not how it works when it comes to trauma <laughs> and abandonment wounds. <laughs> Like it doesn't work like that at all. And here's the thing, like another reason why I can honestly say that I'm love addicted. It was like I was able to converse with other men like immediately afterwards. Like I was able to move like it looked like I moved on. But emotionally, I was still distraught. Like it was like going on dates with people because I made a hinge account. So going on dates with people and like during the day, I'm like, oh, he doesn't, I don't don't like the way he chew his food. He don't chew his food like such and such. And it was like, to my friends, it looked like, girl, you done moved on. You don't care. And every night I'm sitting here thinking about this man, like he really didn't, he really didn't want to make it work. Like we couldn't have did more. Like, (laughs) like it's, uh, Mm -hmm. so I feel seen. I feel heard. (laughs) Yes, so here, mm-hmm. I have some questions um, for you. Okay. Now, what exactly, if you could give us like the actual definition of a love addicted codependent person, how would you describe that person? Yeah. So codependence already said, so I'll just talk a little bit more about um, the definition of love addiction. So mm-hmm. um, when I talk about love addiction, I talk about the persistent obsession of a person 
a relationship or the fantasy of who you want that person or relationship to be and mistaking mm-hmm. that obsession for love. Mm. And when you say it like that, it sounds so bad. Well, it kind of is a little bit. Like, I think is I think listening to you say it and then thinking about my own um, personal experience is like, okay, was I in love or was I in love with the idea of what it could be? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. more than likely, I probably didn't have enough time to be in love and love. But I feel like with me as a person, I'm so in love with the idea of love itself. Mm-hmm. Until, I mean, I could be talking to somebody, and I'm, I'm. This is we. This is safe space. I could be talking to somebody three days, and I already picked out my colors. Like, right. I already like. I'm already. I know where we're gonna live, what neighborhood, what school the kids are gonna go to. Like, in right. in my brain, like automatically does that. But if I'm giving advice to like a friend or something like that, and she tells me she's doing the same thing, I'm like, but you just met him. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I don't know how to separate that. Like, I don't know how to separate the idea of loving someone with loving them for real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's absolutely a part of the recovery process. But I want to go back to what you said about um, about it being bad. You know, what I just shared was the definition. The definition is neutral. Mm-hmm. But it's us who attach meaning and attach our own sense of shame to it. Because what you could also say is, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is not because of me, not because I'm trying to create chaos in my life, not because I like it, not because I'm a magnet for it, but this is actually just a learned trauma response. And Mm -hmm. it could be seen as a a part of freedom versus using to self-punish, right? And so we really have to look at how it is that we talk to ourselves and how we treat ourselves because we're the ones who reinforce us looking for something outside of us to make us feel better when we don't love ourselves. Right. 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 Now, what steps would I need to do to, I guess my question is, would I need to work on my codependency first or would I work on the love addiction? Well, they go together, right? So it really is just wherever you want to start. So you know this because you listen to the podcast, but I'll say this for your listeners. Mm -hmm. I talk about relationships um, as a point of healing, even though I'm a former therapist, because relationships are a mirror. And so some people enter their healing. Everyone has something that happens in their life unless they grew up in a family that always talks about therapy and healing. For the most part, everybody has something or some issue that brings them into this world, whether or not it's depression or anxiety or grief or relationship issues, self-esteem issues, there's some turning point. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about relationships because our relationships show us not only how we see ourselves and also how we see other people. But in you starting that work, you know, people may come into this work, especially if they've just gone through a bad breakup as a love addict and they're in a lot of pain, they may think, okay, I'm just here for dating tips or I'm just here to like learn how to um, be stronger. But for you to actually do this work, you have to look at yourself. You have to You have to look at all that stuff. And that's the same thing as if you were to look at your codependency with your family, for you to work on your family issues with your, with uh, the boundary issues with your family. If someone were to tell you, okay, just tell your mom, no, if it was that easy, you would have done it by now. You have to, you know, the guilt and shame that you may have, the sense of responsibility that you feel that you may have, whether or not it's too much or too little, where did you learn if it was too much or too little dealing with any resentment that you may have or why you don't allow yourself to feel resentment if there are some things that actually happen. Do you want to talk to your mom about it? Reliving all those trauma moments and figuring out, okay, how do I actually feel about this as an adult woman? And Mm -hmm. you have to do all that before you can actually truly get free of codependency. You could do the actions, but it'll just come right back around, you know? Right, right. Because I've been, I listened to the show and I also um, was reading a book, it's called Codependent No More. So I've been trying to find out as much as I can, because like I said, I just recently found out I was codependent. I didn't think it was anything wrong with me at all um, until I realized that. And I'm like, okay, the fact that when I'm in a relationship, 
my sole purpose in a relationship is to make sure that my partner is happy. And I would honestly put my happiness, it, it would be like, okay, if he's happy, then I'm happy because I know I make him happy. And that is not that, that, that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And also I'm like that with my friends or with my family. And when I found out I was codependent, I'm like researching it. And because it's been so many situations where I was putting everyone else's feelings above my own and to even think about telling someone no or to even think about even standing up for myself. It was like it felt like physical pain just to right. think about it. Yeah. Like my best friend. um, Lord bless her soul. My best friend, she she is the one that, you know, like she's a firecracker, right? So I call her, I call her like uh, twice a week. Mm-hmm. I think I'm lying. It might be like five times a week. I call her like five times a week and I'm crying. Something that hurt my feelings. Somebody done did something. And her first response is, did you say anything? No. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and then her, again, bless her. So, well, I cuss them out. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Because even mm-hmm. that, even the thought of her arguing with someone bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it bothers me. But to find out that, okay, the people pleasing and everything that I do, it all has a title. It all mm-hmm. has a name. And like, I don't know, it's just something about finding out something about yourself that you did not know. <sighs> I just feel so seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, about your friend, um, y'all are both, what you're describing is reactivity, but you're both being reactive. You're both being reactive because of trauma. And I don't know your friends. So she may listen to this lady and be like, this ain't me. And so it's so, <laughs> I'm sorry, girl. I'm just going off the little information I have. But, um, you know, her reactivity is what I make up is. Maybe someone has disrespected her before, hurt her before, lied to her, used her, and she's had to learn how to be very um, aggressive when it comes to standing up for herself. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with standing up for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with being very clear with people about what they're going to do and what they're not going to do when it comes to you. But when it comes with a lot of anger and rage and intensity behind it, you have to kind of wonder, is this really about what this person supposedly just said or did? Or is it what they did? Plus the fact that I'm going to make sure that nobody ever hurts me like this again. Right. You bring that type of intensity in all your relationships and you can find that you will explode about smaller things. And that's what makes it hard to build trust because humans are going to mess up. And no matter how wonderful somebody is, there's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be misconnections. There's going to be things that people don't get right. And so if you live your life having to be on high hyper alert all the time to make sure you never get disrespected, you never have an opportunity to rest. You right. never have an opportunity to receive love and to, and to actually just be at peace. And for you, you're the other extreme of the reactivity. And just because you're not going off, it's the fight or flight response. So your friend, mm-hmm. she's triggered, she goes into fight mode and you go into freeze. You go inside, right. you shut down, you get quiet. Um, and both of y'all are operating out of your nervous system, right? And so what you're seeking is that balance and knowing that y'all can have two totally different personalities and you can still be someone who's more thoughtful and intentional about how you speak. And maybe you don't go and yell, but you're, you don't let people hurt you and your Mm -hmm. friends can just be as bold and clear as she needs to be, but maybe she gets to be free from that anger and rage from the things that people did from her, did to her before. Right. It's, it's definitely we need a balance because with me, I know my mother told me this a long time ago. And I don't think I think with all of us, our parents or our caregivers probably gave us some type of advice when we were younger. And then it takes you like getting older to actually see what it meant. Mm-hmm. And my mom told me a long time ago that relationships, when they're over, they're usually the thing that makes you break up. It's not what made you break up. That probably was something small that, you know, like you had been going through things like for a long time and you just didn't say anything. And then maybe he didn't make the bed and you just go over the edge. And Mm -hmm. I can honestly say in my um, relationships, like even platonic, if somebody does anything to me and it's hurtful, I don't say anything for a long time. But then they step on my foot one day and Mm -hmm. I'm yelling and I'm screaming and I'm crying. And the person is completely confused because all they did was step on my foot and they said they were sorry. 
But the sorry wasn't enough because I sat there and I took it and I took it and then I explode. So mm-hmm. I'm working on that, too. I, I am working on that, too. And the same way I'm being honest with you, I, I go to therapy and I'm completely honest with my therapist. But of course, this conversation is a little bit different because I know everything that I'm describing is your specialty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> no shade. I like my therapist. She cool. That's she cool. But mm-hmm. like some of this stuff I kind of saved. <laughs> 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 I say for you because I'm like, I listen to the show week after week. Oh, I'm gonna ask her this when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I say I saved it for you. Um my next question that I have is can a person that's that has codependency can they have a healthy relationship and how would that look? Yeah, well, of course. Um anybody any everyone and anyone can have a healthy relationship. There's no such thing as anyone being too broken or too far gone. I think that's part of the shame that we pick up somehow that we have to be perfect and be so super evolved that we're never triggered. Like to be human is to have triggers, to mm-hmm. have feelings and emotions. So um, yes, um, someone who is codependent can can and will have a healthy relationship as long as they are staying mindful of what they feel. And, you know, part of what your friend has already told you is how that happens. It's being honest about what you need, being honest first with yourself and then with other people. Um, you know, part of the allure of love addiction is the fantasy that I'm that when I meet here, here's what happens. You meet somebody and part of what you feel is that instant chemistry is they get me better than I get myself. Mm-hmm. And they totally hear me. And so there is a part of you, whether you want to admit it or not, that's like, OK, finally, I can relax because I'm with someone who who's got it. And so mm-hmm. I'm be taken care of, whether it's physically, emotionally, financially, sexually, or any combination of them. Um, and that's really lazy. And it's really lazy and it's unfair. It's unfair because that person is a whole other human with their own right. triggers. Also, they did not sign up to be your caretaker. They signed up to be your partner. Right. Um, if someone's healthy. Now, if someone is um, either love avoidant or love addicted like you, a lot of times people trauma bond and they do sign up to be your caretaker. And that's why y'all really connect because y'all talk about war stories or you understand his pain <laughs> or why he's so quiet. And he understands that you've been broken before and he promises he's going to be there for you, baby. And right. Like, all this stuff until the reason why y'all are so broken keeps hitting up against each other, which usually happens sooner rather than later. Right. And so um, to go back to what I was saying, I mean, you have to be honest with yourself about what you need and you have to learn how to communicate what it is that you need. And a lot of, when I work with women, what I find is women, the problem women have is they hear that and it sounds so simple. Like, okay, I just have to be honest about what I need. And they go and write in their journal and they go and they do it or they feel like they're about to go and do it. And then as they try to figure out what they want, they don't even know how to get to it. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't even know like how to, how to conceptualize it. They don't even know when they are gaslighting themselves. Right. And right. so that's outside support and help and coaching and all that stuff helps in you getting out of that stuck place for you to finally be honest with yourself. Yeah, you're right. Cause I was like, oh, she makes this sound so simple. And then <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? You do this every week. Like you do it every week. I listen to the show. Yes, I'm yes, like this yeah. is so easy. And then like it's when it's face me, I'm still fantasizing. So like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People tell me all the time about the no say right, and I'm like, okay, how's it going for you? Well, you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm telling you, you need me. okay, I'll see you. All right, girl. All right, <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> you brought up my next question. You honestly, you brought it up because, okay, I don't know if you already picked up on it, but of course, my attachment style is disorganized, is anxious, avoidant. Of course it is, right? So so I attract partners who are dismissive avoidant. And uh, <laughs> okay. let me tell you, do you know how no, I don't even have to ask you. Do you know how hard that is? It's like, okay, I feel like like my last partner, 
Um, I feel like he really did care about me. And I don't think that's the fantasy talking because our breakup, it wasn't over. Like he didn't mistreat me. It wasn't nothing like that. Honestly, out of all the partners I ever had, this was the cleanest breakup I ever had. Like it was, it was more of, um, I just feel like maybe what I was asking for, he just couldn't give me. So that that's why we broke up. But it was like, we took the attachment style quiz because I recently found out about attachment styles. Like just when I found out I was codependent, it all went hand in hand. So mm-hmm. I took the attachment quiz. And so when I found out was what mine was, I was like, oh, that makes sense. This is why when people don't answer the phone, I block them. Okay. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> it all makes sense, right? Uh (laughs) it's been so many times like even him one time like I have to tell you this okay so he didn't respond to my message in enough time this was before I knew I was disorganized like I didn't know at this point so he didn't respond to my message and I called his phone and he didn't answer the phone and I blocked him but my Mm -hmm. macbook when he texts me or FaceTime me, it came to my computer. I don't know why my computer does that. I have to mm-hmm. double block you. So he never knew he was blocked. Like he yeah. never knew he was blocked. So then something happened the next day. And he was like, oh, so why does it say I don't follow you on Instagram anymore? Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, I had blocked you. Right. So later mm-hmm. on, I found out what my attachment style was and mm-hmm. I was like, OK, this makes sense. So I gave him the quiz. So when I gave him the quiz, he, of course, he came up dismissive avoided. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he said, now, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't think that's right. Dismissive. Now, let me tell you, everything was perfect for us until I think he started catching feelings. Mm-hmm. And then when he started catching feelings, it was like he started distancing himself from me. Like he didn't want to hang out anymore. Um, he wouldn't FaceTime me as much as he used to because um, we don't live in the same sound. So he wouldn't FaceTime me as much as he used to. It was like it was like a light switch. But I could tell that it was because there was some type of like he started liking me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he meant to like me. As fast as he did. And later on, we had a conversation because we had one of them relationships that, you know, it it was it, it's still going. Like, it's, you know, but um, <laughs> later on, <laughs> this is safe space. Mm-hmm. People can't judge me on my show. So <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> so um, so later on, it was like he told me he was like, well, I didn't mean to feel the way that I felt so quick. And all I thought to myself was the test told you. Not the test. It told you. It told you. And you was hard down yelling. Like, it was like he was, it almost like it triggered him to hear the word dismissive. Like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. and at that point, I didn't think he was dismissive. And it might have, you know, triggered him. I mean, we've had, even in in, in this interview, you know, a couple times that, and me just answering a question, it's it's the meaning that you attach to things, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you, you're talking about shame, talking about being codependent or being love addicted, you know, it makes sense. Well, if someone else is attaching negative meanings to things, why well, they would feel that some kind of way. And when I say everything made sense, like it was like he would pick up more hours at work just so we didn't spend time. Again. Like he, he wasn't storing about working like he literally would work himself work itself like or schedule stuff out and I'm like okay when I read the book because I read attached this is how they said you would you would act Mm -hmm. like this this is exactly how you would act but then I realized that it was a pattern because now I know what attachment styles are so Mm -hmm. I can identify it now but when I thought about it I said to myself I was like the last two partners I had were dismissive avoidant Wait a minute, maybe the last three. And then I was like, wait a minute, what is it in me? Because mm-hmm. I'm anxious. And with me having, you can't just be running away from me because that makes me. Mm-hmm. So what is it in me that makes me attract those type of men, I wonder? Mm-hmm. I say this for you too. I could have asked my therapist, but... <laughs> 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 so that was a lot. So, so what? What's the question? Tell me again. What is it about disorganized people, or just me 
specifically because maybe it's just me but i seem to attract partners that are dismissive avoidant yeah so this is absolutely something that we would probably need to talk more about right like offline Mm -hmm. because it is um i mean the short verse is probably the answer you already know which is some something in your family trauma like there's something in your template that Mm -hmm. has predisposed you to this and so or to where when it happens for somebody else they can see red flags or something at least it feels uncomfortable and for you it feels familiar subconsciously so um yeah we would have to i would need to talk to you about your mama and your daddy and oh yeah brothers and all of that you talked about this because, like I said, I'm listening. I'm caught up, but then I'm I'm behind. So on, I <laughs> was it episode five. Hold on, let me go look. Uh-huh. I think it was episode five, or it could have been episode four. You actually talked about this in depth. That was a plug, you guys. Please go listen to this show because mm-hmm. y'all might not say that y'all love addicted, but y'all listen to me every week. Mm-hmm. So I know y'all love addicted. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know y'all are because y'all relate to like 90% of what I say. So if you relate to what I say, then I'm pretty sure that Black Girls Hill would be the place for you to listen. Um, also, I know you're not taking clients no more, um, but uh, you might have to. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, well, I, do, I, don't, I do have clients. You Okay, so you do have clients. You just don't. Um, practice in the office anymore because you say you you don't you don't do therapy work anymore. I don't do therapy, but I do coaching, and so okay, is based on helping women break the patterns of love addiction. And the reason why I transitioned to coaching outside of therapy is because therapy is forty five minutes a week. Because there's only so many things that you can do that you know I can't really give you a whole program and a plan. And you know, also as a therapist, it's not my job to tell you my opinion about things. It really is supposed to be the space for you to come and explore, which is great. But what I found when it came to healing my love addiction is I just needed someone to answer my fucking question. Like someone to tell me straight up what was happening and to help me because me figuring out by myself wasn't cutting it. And so um, being doing what I'm doing now gives me that flexibility to really help women. And um, you probably heard me say this too. You know, I just found it was hard because I loved being a therapist. I still, you know, love being a therapist, but um, I was finding that women in my coaching program were getting better faster than the women who had me every week. Um, And not because the women weren't trying, but I really do believe like you tell smart women what to do and they'll do it, Mm -hmm. Um, you know? So, so yes, I am. I am taking clients, girl. Also, after this, <laughs> I definitely will. And one more thing mm-hmm. with your retreat, because we talk about that for a minute. Um, sure. Are you? Do you still have any slots available? Or because I know it's an annual thing. So if mm-hmm. if me or the listeners that's listening now, if we're not able to join this year, I know you're going to turn around and do it again. But can you tell us a little bit about it? I know about it, but they they might not know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where are you located, by the way, what city? I'm in South Carolina, so I'm kind of far. Yeah. So um, I'm going to say two things, and you might be the first person to hear this, or maybe the second. I don't know. Okay, so the retreat is, so last year, or actually the year before, when COVID first happened, we planned to do a whole conference, and it's called The Healed and Loved Woman. So I have a framework called The Healed and Loved Woman Framework, and where I talk about the three different intimacy disorders, and I'm talking you know, this episode, we've talked more about love addiction, but there's three, Mm -hmm. there's love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation. Mm -hmm. And um, talk about, they all work together where we can be a little bit of all of them or mostly one at certain different periods of time. And so the framework looks at, okay, we need to go from being love addicted to love balance, love avoidant to love available and love deprived to acting in our love worthiness. Mm -hmm. And so coming from that, the conference was built around just talking about the different components of this framework. Then COVID happened, we lost our venue. And so it morphed from being a conference to a small intimate retreat. And so we got together at a beach house last fall um, here in Texas, and it was beautiful. It was so, it was so wonderful. And so this year we are repeating the same thing. 
we um, now have two weekends. We have one in October, one in November, no, one in September and one in October. There are a couple spots left in both of them. And, uh, you know, we're coming together for a two and a half day weekend to talk about love, life, sex, trauma, healing, discovery. And, uh, you know, we have a whole curriculum that we work through. But what I really loved about last year is that we started off in a direction and whatever the women came with, that's where we went. And so I went from, you know, I call them love seats instead of hot seats. So each of the women got chances to just be poured into and they poured into each other and they built this sisterhood and it was just really gorgeous. And so that's the first thing. I'm also thinking about, and this might be in 2023, but I'm thinking about um, having smaller workshops around the country. Now that's mm-hmm. harder because of travel, because you got to get venues and stuff. Right. But I do know, I think it'd be cool just to have like a, what do you call it? Um, a tour? Kind of like a tour. Yeah, a tour, but I'm trying to, what's it called? Like a city hall, but I probably want to call it a city hall, a town hall or something mm-hmm. and like teach about these things and maybe like a half a day versus a whole weekend, you know? Yeah, you could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. I know I, I've i seen the reviews from people that went to the retreat last year. Like you actually had someone that went to the retreat on your show recently. Yeah. And when she spoke about it, what I loved about it was that not only they, they built connections so strong, the bonds were so strong until they are holding each other accountable today. Mm-hmm. Like they have their group chats, they're making, they're checking in with each other. So it was <coughs> like, you really, you really did the work. Like you did the work in such a way that it had them, you know, hold each other accountable. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go to this. You know? <laughs> oh, I don't have a problem going to Texas. I went to Texas one time in my whole life. Let me tell you, if you eat seafood, it's like the best seafood. Like I, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of places, but it's it's in the top of what I've had. The seafood is great. But also yeah. y'all got this place called, um, is it Buckley's? I Buc- think what, okay, we getting one. Are you really? Yes, we are. Wow. And, and the thing is, I'm so excited, but no one around me understands why I'm excited. Because <laughs> it's a gas station. <laughs> because it's a gas station. But listen, me and my friend went there and not there was clothes there. There were candles right. there. There was food there. Food yeah. I've never had. You could get a smoothie and you can get gas. But then it was like, I have never seen nothing like that in all the days of my life. So. Yeah. Across the street, there's a meat market, little little Walmart, little store, little mall inside of this big old gas station. Yeah. You know what? I thought Wawa was a big thing, but like, no. (laughs) So like we're getting one across the street from where I work. And like I'm asking people every day, like because I'm watching them build this place. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm asking them, like, do y'all ready? And they're looking at me like. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was going to come back to to Texas just for that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just for that. Like, that's what kind of impression that store had on me. But then when I (laughs) when I realized that your workshop was there, I was like, okay, that's okay. It might it might be it wouldn't look as bad Mm -hmm. if I went for a workshop and I went to the gas station. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what we talked about, you being honest about what it is that you Yes. Want. Yes. So if you wanted to come just for Bucky's, that's enough. You've grown. <laughs> that's <laughs> what a, you want to do. That's a four hour, I think it's like a three, four hour flight. But hey, I mean, until yeah. you experience that score, <laughs> yeah. you don't get it till you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. You cool. honestly don't. But Mm -hmm. until people experience your show, like, I feel like a lot of us are walking around um, and we may be love addicted and we don't know, especially Mm -hmm. like a lot of the people like I'll say this. I had a ex at one point. um, He he doesn't know how to be by himself. Mm-hmm. And, and and to be honest, there's no shame there. You know, I, I'm not being negative when I say this. Um, men can be love addicted, too. Yeah, they, they can be. Mm-hmm. They can be. And you wonder like how your your friends or your brother, how every holiday he has somebody else with him is because he he's scared to be alone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as much as we we always make it so negative, like a person just, you know, they're being nasty or something like that. But we never think about like the emotional side to it, that maybe this person really is afraid to be alone. Maybe they don't like to be alone. I mean, you have to think about it. I think how men are socialized, but especially black men. And just you can just look at little kids to see, you know, like. What's the age that little boys stop getting hugs and kisses so freely? Mm-hmm. And how much earlier is it than women? And then how are they socialized to put all their feelings and stick it all in? And the first time that they're actually touched lovingly after that gap point is in an intimate relationship. Right. And so, so many men, and I used to, um, you know, like I was saying, the way that I started is I started off helping men and women for sex and love addiction before I focused just on women um, and then especially focus on black women. Um, but there were so many men who would, I would see um, who were actually love addicts and they, mm-hmm. they were told that they were sex addicts because that's how they were trying to get connection. But once we were able to dig into it, they just wanted to be held. They just wanted to be listened to. They just wanted to be loved and they didn't have access to that outside of the bedroom. Mhm. And it it's like for I can honestly say I think it was an episode that I've already aired where I talked about um at one point I had a partner um it was a it wasn't a relationship I would say it was a situationship cuz it definitely wasn't a relationship. But like I I noticed that with him he wasn't very, uh, how do I want to say this? Like when we weren't in the bedroom, he wasn't really affectionate, but he was affectionate then. So then it was like when I wanted affection, it was like we we were intimate a lot because I wanted affection. It wasn't that I really just wanted to have sex all the time. I wanted a hug and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to. Add, and then, you know, it comes from my family don't hug. Mm-hmm. My family don't hug like we we just got to the point where we tell each other we love each other. But it was a lot of death that happened that got us to the point where we were saying that to each other. So it was so I would be with men because I like the closeness of the intimate. Like I like the closeness of it, not so much the act itself. And the crazy thing about it is so easy for us to accept a woman saying that. But we don't accept that a man could possibly be feeling the same way. Mm hmm. Yeah, because we don't humanize men. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the hardest thing, you know, as I think about, you know, I have something coming up um, talking about letting partners in. And the majority of the people who listen to the podcast, at least the ones that reach out to me are heterosexual. And But I absolutely have clients and women who are queer, pansexual, bi, or, or lesbians. And so, but anyways, and me thinking about talking about letting um, male partners in, Part of what I'm like just conscious of is with the rising up of all these misogynistic women hating men, there's a rise with talking about how men are trash and right. mm-hmm. all of that. And like I I get where where people are coming from, like because you're trying to label like toxic masculinity and you're trying to label sexism and how disruptive and traumatizing this is, but you're forgetting the fact that there are real human beings, real human men who are hearing this. And right. if you are someone who likes to date men, that anger and that bitterness and that pain that you're expressing is going to affect your relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make it hard for you to let them in because you're trying to be so protective around, legitimately protective around previous dangers. So I'm just trying to figure out, or one of the things that, you know, like I said, I'm being thoughtful of. It's like, how am I going to present this so that people don't be like, oh, she just being a pick me just because I want to say men have feelings, <laughs> which is like they, they do. They actually <laughs> they do. It's just that we've we've grown up to think that they don't and we treat right. them as such. And then we, we they've actually been taught to not show their feelings. Yeah. So they're suppressing so much like. Yeah so much I remember before my uncle took his life um which was a year ago mm-hmm. and I have a son and I have a daughter so with my son my son is sensitive 
He is. And, you know, we all come from that time where you, you don't cry. Ain't nothing wrong with you, you know. But then it was like losing my uncle and understanding that maybe he didn't feel comfortable crying or he didn't have that safe space to be who he wanted to be or to address the fact that he was unhappy. So from that moment on, like if my son wants to cry, mm-hmm. I let him cry. And I've had a conversation with him before because I noticed that when he was having a hard time at school mm-hmm. and I would try to communicate with him, he wouldn't, he could not verbalize his feelings. Right. Like, like he, he would just stare at me and I, and I would look at him and I would say, do you feel like you can't talk to me? And mm-hmm. he would tell me yes. Mm-hmm. And as I begin to nurture his feelings and to talk to him and tell him that it was safe for him to tell me, okay, you made a bad grade at school. And I told you I was disappointed. Did I hurt your feelings when I said I was disappointed? Mm -hmm. It's okay for you to say that I hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. It's okay that you tell me that you, you, you were hurt by the the tone of voice that I used. It's Mm -hmm. okay. And I'm telling you, I don't want this for everyone else. I don't want you to go through something so traumatic to the point that you look at men differently. Like, okay, they got feelings. Because it took me losing my de- my my uncle to suicide for me to actually think, okay, mm-hmm. like black men feel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they take their lives or they do what they do because we as a people make them feel like they can't say anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how you package all of that. Cause again, I'm like such a fan. <laughs> 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 like, I don't know if you could tell, but I've been smiling the whole time. Like I was I'm such a fan and you do great work and what you do is so needed. You're needed. And it's a lot of people like me. Like, it's a lot of people like me. I'm pretty sure when you look at your numbers, you see it's a lot of us. It's a lot of us that need you. So thanks again for joining me today. And thanks again for the work that you do. Like, you know what? The people also are clapping. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Could you tell the people where they can find you on social media and where they can find your podcast? Yeah. So the podcast is named Black Girls Heal, and we are on all podcast platforms, especially the main ones, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of those. Um, And you can find me on social media at Black Girls Heal on Instagram, um, at Black Girls Heal on Facebook. And our website, blackgirlsheal.org, has all of the different programs and ways that we can support you, whether or not it's just you need just a little bit to do on your own. So there's self-paced courses to help you with self-love and love addiction. And then our main coaching program, which is from called From Addicted and Avoided to Available, where I take women on a journey for six months and help you break those cycles. So would love to help you and however you Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sign up after we get off of here. <laughs> Sheena again thank you for joining me Um, for everyone if you would like to follow the podcast on Instagram TikTok or Twitter you can find us at MCS with Key to follow me it's at the Diary of Key and that's on all platforms as well this was such a great conversation I'll see you guys next week Thank you.